Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. I really want to talk to you guys about your working stroke. The working stroke is completely underrated, and we just don't put too much focus on the working stroke. When you are first learning all about your fundamentals in your preclinical rotation, you're thinking about your grasp, your fulcrum, your positioning, your patient's positioning, your posture, and all of those really important fundamentals. And you're tested on those fundamentals. And then we graduate you from those fundamentals and we move you forward into patient care and education. And when you have that first patient in your chair who has calculus, you get so excited about the fact that you actually found the calculus, that you can actually feel the calculus and that you know it's there. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. I still remember it. And there's a huge process of learning to lighten up our grasp so that we're able to find and feel the calculus. And that whole process of lightening up that grasp and transitioning from a typodont to a real person, where we now have that sympathy sabotage, where we're afraid to hurt our patients, right? Remember that? It's a huge learning curve to lighten up our grasp. And then all of a sudden we find the calculus and we feel the calculus and now we know it's there. We've lightened up our grasp. And our faculty teaches us that in order to remove the calculus, we have to do a working stroke. Oh my goodness. This is where we completely pivot from having that light grasp to applying lateral pressure against a tooth and inward pressure against our handle with our index finger and thumb and tightening up our grasp, completely changing everything that we've been working on. So that transition from a light grasp to a working stroke is a struggle, and that is real, and it can create a lot of challenges. And then we think we're doing the working stroke, and we lose all control of the strokes when we're performing them. And then that sympathy sabotage of thinking that we might hurt our patient because now we don't have any control over our stroke that's real. So in this episode, I'm just going to talk about the complete structure of the working stroke, how we can be effective with it without losing sight of all those fundamentals that we took so long to learn about, and how to go from a working stroke to a nice light grasp when we're finding and feeling again, and make it so that our working stroke is actually effective. Far too often we get into our clinical rotations where we see patients for the first time and we're so excited because we find the calculus and then we can't remove it. We're very ineffective with our working stroke. So I just want to break down the basics of the working stroke to help you remind yourself of what it is that you're doing. Look at some of the key features of instrument design that will really help you be effective with your working stroke so that it will build your confidence because you have all of that you need in order to do it, do it correctly and effectively. Now we just need to get rid of that doubt and persist forward knowing that all of the calibration that we've helped instill in all of the different fundamentals with you will work if you apply them in the clinical setting. 
So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. The first thing I want to say is to be kind to yourself and patient with yourself as you begin the process of learning the working stroke. And I have to say, as long as you're patient and you don't let that inner critic take over and start filling your head with self-doubt, continually ask the faculty for help with your working stroke so that you can really get the techniques down. This will go a long way at helping you. The goal is to have effective removal of calculus without causing any kind of occupational injury. And a lot of times, and I see this with students in clinic too, a lot of times you guys lose focus on yourselves and your fundamentals, which breaks my heart, once you have patients in your chair. Students will tend to put their own needs aside to meet the needs of their patients. And the working stroke is no different here. So just a gentle reminder to you that this is really about career longevity as well as effective calculus removal. So these occupational injuries can occur if you are not performing the working stroke in a way that keeps your fundamentals in mind. The little muscles in your hand are exactly that. They're little. And so they have to work in tandem with one another in order to be effective. And I don't think people really understand or recognize how much work it takes to perform a working stroke and just how many working strokes it takes to perform a debridement in an area. Oftentimes students have that visual ability to think and hope, and maybe this is the optimism side of not knowing, that calculus can come off in one big stroke. And the reality is it takes a lot, a lot, and sometimes more than a lot, of little teeny tiny effective strokes in order to be able to remove calculus. So it's really important for us to focus on these concepts, all of the fundamentals, keeping all your fingers working as a unit, and using your fulcrum to rely on your fulcrum to provide you with the balancing pressure so that you're effective in removing calculus without any kind of risk of occupational injury. Now, the reason why it's really important for your working stroke to be effective is because what you can inadvertently do is cause burnished calculus. If you have your blade too far open or too far closed, you can burnish the calculus or cause tissue trauma. So there's this really fine dance between tooth anatomy and instrument design. So you wanna be keeping both of those things in mind when you are using your instrument. So if the blade is too far closed, you are going to burnish calculus. And all the research indicates that burnished calculus means tissue that doesn't heal. And if your blade is too far open, you can burnish the calculus, but you can also cause tissue trauma on the sulcular epithelium. So you wanna be really careful about that. As a student, and I know your faculty say this to you a lot, the terminal shank is your friend and your terminal shank will help you with your adaptation, your angulation, and all of the different parts that are involved in the working stroke. Now keep in mind that when you're doing a working stroke, the angulation of the blade has to be maintained between 60 and 80 degrees. So there's a, a little bit of wiggle room there. But if you do not have that blade to tooth ratio at 60 to 80 degrees, 
from the beginning to the end of your stroke, you will be ineffective with your stroke. No matter how much work and force and pressure and all of the things that we tell you to do, no matter what you're doing with your hand, establishing the correct angulation is the first step. So you're going to find and feel that deposit. You're going to lock your toe underneath the deposit, keeping in mind that you have to keep the blade and the tooth structure in contact with each other the entire time you are performing the working stroke. So that toe third will stay right up against the tooth. You're pressing down on your fulcrum, right? The laws of physics say that you have to put pressure on your fulcrum in order to be able to apply the correct amount of pressure underneath that calculus to perform that working stroke. Now you're going to use the long axis of the tooth as your initial guide, but you have to be able to consider the tooth anatomy because you have to keep the toe and the blade side of the instrument in constant pressure against the tooth. You have to remember all of your tooth morphology from oral anatomy. The other thing you have to keep in mind is what instrument you're using, right? So that offset blade of the Gracie you have to think, okay, what does my terminal shank need to look like? Once I've inserted my instrument into the sulcus, all I can see is my terminal shank. So what does my terminal shank have to look like when I'm using the Gracie and I've got my Gracie toe one third underneath the deposit and I've locked my toe third, what does my terminal shank have to look like? In order for your working stroke to be effective, your terminal shank has to be parallel at that point. The general rule is that if your terminal shank is parallel to whichever surface you are performing a working stroke on, you'll be effective in your removal. Anything outside of parallel could cause that burnished calculus or the tissue trauma. Now, knowing instrument design is essential. You have to understand the instrument design and the tooth morphology in order for your working stroke to be effective. And we start with the baseline of your terminal shank has to be parallel. And we want you to think about the long axis of the tooth as well. But keep in mind that the long axis of the tooth is just your general guide. Because once you get involved with more complex care and more complicated patients that require phase one therapy, and they have furcation involvement, you have to also keep in mind of the root morphology. So I say long axis of the tooth, but the truth is once you're into a root concavity or you have depression, you have to be thinking about the terminal shank being parallel to those regions because as you move along a tooth surface, that may change and not be the general rule of the long axis of the tooth. So it's really important as a student for you to be continually monitoring your terminal shank for proper guidance and also your tooth morphology and remembering where those concavities are and how to keep your toe adapted as you work through the process. So think about that angulation. We're starting with your Gracie curettes. Because it already has an offset angle, your terminal shank is going to be parallel when you're performing the working stroke. You'll apply that lateral pressure against the tooth while applying inward pressure 
against the handle with your thumb and your index finger at the same time. So it's almost like you're flexing your hand, applying the pressure on your fulcrum and getting ready to do a very short, well-controlled biting stroke. Very, very short. Oftentimes students overthink this part and they envision taking the calculus off in one big stretch. If you think about just biting the edge of the calculus, that you're just chipping away at the edge of it and having really well-controlled short strokes, your working stroke will be more effective and you'll feel like you're in better control. Now, speaking of control, as you're learning to lighten up your grasp and find and feel calculus and you have this light grasp, you'll notice that with your explorer, you can be a little wishy-washy with your fulcrum. You can have your fulcrum a little further away or maybe an extra oral fulcrum or maybe even have your fulcrum out on the tissue where your faculty tells you not to put it. But you can get away with that when you're exploring. Once you have to do a working stroke, you are going to notice that it is so much more important where your fulcrum is when you're trying to do a working stroke. So maybe some of these little habits that you've developed with your exploring are now coming back to bite you. So when you're first learning how to use your explorer and we're showing you where all the fulcrum should be, we always tell you to be fulcrum on the occlusal surface and as close to your work zone as possible. And as we develop, we all tend to do this. We all tend to get a little you know, oh, well, this is working. I'm still able to find and feel the calculus, even though maybe I'm not as close as I need to be, this feels more comfortable for me. But then the minute you try to do a working stroke, you're going to quickly realize that you have to have your fulcrum really close to your work zone, and it has to be dead on in order for you to be able to pivot on your fulcrum and get that terminal shank to be parallel all of a sudden you recognize and realize that this doesn't feel so comfortable because maybe you've kind of changed or adapted your ways a little bit away from the fundamentals that you learned when you first were introduced to instrumentation. Because when we're exploring with our Explorer instruments, we can be a little less specific because we're not having to apply that pressure in order to be effective. So just something for you to keep in mind when you're practicing, go back and practice with your Explorer and hold yourself accountable for where your fulcrum is and what your grasp is doing when you're pivoting around the line angles with your Explorer and just maintaining a light grasp. Then go back in with your Gracie, insert by closing, right? You're gonna insert by closing the blade and then opening up to about 50 to 70 degrees to do your assessment stroke. And then when you go to do your working stroke, take a good look at what your terminal shank is doing. Envision yourself taking very short, well-controlled strokes. And the other thing I wanna say, and I tell this to everyone, is to relax your hand in between your strokes. You wanna reposition your end of your instrument in order to do your next stroke. Do not just start flicking and doing a whole bunch of strokes. You really wanna modify yourself and have very well-controlled strokes, especially in the beginning when you're first learning. It can be so frustrating. I can tell you, I can still remember this whole process of learning the working stroke. You find the calculus and you feel it, and then you go in and you keep trying, 
but you either end up burnishing the calculus or not being able to remove it at all. And then you just feel a little bit defeated, right? Like how come this, how come this isn't coming off? And as patients are more complex, as you work through the learning process in your curriculum, you'll notice that when you get the patients who've had a little more calculus on there, or maybe the calculus is a little more tenacious, your fundamentals of your working stroke are going to be even more essential. So early on in your journey, you have maybe easier patients that have lighter calculus, and it's not as technique sensitive for you to perform a working stroke and be effective. But as you have more complex patients, patients that have periodontal involvement, the angulation of your blade and your working stroke are going to be the difference between healing and not healing, removal and burnishing, effective, ineffective. So it's really important. I know you guys really focus on your time and you want to be efficient and you want to be effective, but I promise you, if you change your focus and focus on your foundational skills and your fundamentals, your effectiveness and your efficiency will come in time. It's so hard to be patient with ourselves when we're just trying, we just want to get in there and scale, right? We want to be effective. We want to be efficient. But sometimes the cost that we pay, the price that we pay for being efficient and effective is burnished calculus. So I want you to really focus on your terminal shank when you are going to perform a working stroke. Make sure your toe is adapted and that you're pressing against the tooth and you have the handle in the proper position, you have the terminal shank in the proper position and that you're doing short biting strokes away from the base of the pocket, right? Those strokes are going away from the base of the pocket. You're working in a coronal vertical direction with your instrument. Now, I just briefly wanna talk about the universal, not to confuse you, but to just show you the difference in how you have to shift your brain when you're performing a working stroke with the universal versus your Gracie curettes. Because if you understand the instrument design and how it relates to the working stroke for the universal and the Gracie curettes, I'm confident that you can pick up any instrument ever designed and know exactly how to perform a working stroke. All right, so the universal curette has a 90 degree blade. So nothing is offset. There's no offset angulation for the two cutting edges of the universal. The relationship between the terminal shank and the blade is different from the Gracie. So what does that do to your terminal shank? That means that if it's a 90 degree angle from the face of the blade, that the terminal shank needs to close about 20 degrees toward the tooth in order to create that 70 degree ideal angle for an effective working stroke. Think about what that looks like. And in some areas of the mouth and in some patients, the universal is ideal for different reasons. It's actually easier for us to perform a working stroke when we can move that handle in a different direction. So it gives us options. So I don't want you to look at this as limiting. I want you to actually look at it the opposite as limiting. I want you to look at this as providing you with more opportunities to have different angles for different areas in order to perform the working stroke. What I will say is that it makes it a little more challenging for you because you have to shift your brain when you switch from the Gracie's to the Universal and back to the Gracie's. 
So we always look at our terminal shank before we do a working stroke because we can't see our toe, right? The toe of our instrument and the side of our blade is in the sulcus. So we can't see it. Everything we do as hygienists is blind and in the dark, right? And this might be one of the biggest challenges for us. We can't see everything we do relies on feeling and we're using blades in the tissue. Ah, it's kind of scary if you think about it. No pressure or anything. But this is where that fear comes in, that sympathy sabotage, where we're just so afraid of hurting our patients. But I promise you, if you're a person who maybe is a little bit reluctant to do the working stroke because you're afraid that you're going to hurt your patient or you're afraid that you're going to slip, take a look and think about what you have control over. You have control over where you place your fulcrum. And if your fulcrum is firmly planted as close as it can be to where you're going to do your working stroke, you're going to be less likely to hurt your patient. If your terminal shank is in the appropriate position, so parallel to the long axis or the tooth surface that you're working on with the Gracie and a 20 degree angle for the universal, then you have the most effective positioning you can have in order to perform your working stroke safely and effectively for your patient. Now, the last thing I just wanna mention is your occupational demands and what that means for you. Far too often, we start just working, working, working. We do all these working strokes and we find it really hard to go back to our assessment strokes or just even a debridement stroke. We just start doing working strokes everywhere. And you have worked way too hard on your learning journey to pursue the goal of becoming a hygienist to not make the occupational hazards known to you. You have to understand the risks involved with some of the actions that you take for the sake of patient care. So I want you to stretch out all your fingers as wide as you can every time you put an instrument down and you pick up another instrument. And before you go into the mouth, I want you to say to yourself, light and fluffy, light and fluffy, because you should never go in and just start off with a working stroke and then be doing working strokes the entire time. You will burn out. You will cause some kind of injury to yourself. And just as important is patient positioning, your operator positioning, get yourself in the right zone. Make sure your grasp is healthy, that your fulcrum is close, that you're doing a little light and fluffy find and feel stroke before you find the calculus. Lock onto it, lock the toe third against the tooth, do your working strokes, but then take a little breather in between strokes, relax your hand, and then do another stroke. You have to provide yourself with a little bit of occupational rest in between these working strokes because it will take a toll on your hand and all of the muscles of your hand and wrist. And unfortunately, the pain just radiates. It starts in your fingers and it just radiates right up. So you can ask any hygienist who's had occupational injuries that they, they wish that they had focused on this a little sooner. So my gift to you is at the very beginning when you're focused so much on why isn't my working stroke working, let's work on your fundamentals and keep in mind what you need to do for you in order to be effective for your patients. Because if you're not taking care of you, there's no way you can take care of any patients. 
And I have to tell you, you'll be stronger and better and more effective with your working stroke if you just take those moments to be kind to your muscles in between those strokes and in between each one of your instrument uses. I hope this helps. It's all about the practice. On this journey, it's all about the practice. The more you practice the working stroke, the better it becomes. But always look with what you know, do with what you know, and what you do know is what that terminal shank tells you. And the terminal shank and your tooth morphology are your guide to successful implementation of the working stroke. Good luck, guys. Okay, guys, I thought I would share one of my own journal entries from when I was a student enrolled in the dental hygiene program, and I was having some of these struggles that I'm talking about with the working stroke. So I thought I would just be a little bit vulnerable and tell you that I, too, had these exact struggles. So let me just share this journal entry with you. September 18th, today in clinic, I saw my very first Calc 3 patient. I was able to finish the assessment last visit, so today I had everything checked and confirmed. I did really well with my documentation and charting all of the recession and furcations, which was hard and time-consuming. I only ended up having one probe reading that was off, and it was probably because I was not pivoting enough to reach all the way into the call area, as my faculty suggested. Mrs. Malfate showed me how to roll the probe around the line angle, which was a bit more challenging due to the amount of recession that was present on that tooth. It all clicked today with the probe. Not sure why that took so long, but I am happy to say that it finally happened. One of the problems I encountered today was on calculus removal. I could not seem to get the calculus to come off of tooth number 14 distal. This was the same area that I was struggling with the probe on, and it didn't get any better with my 1314. What was frustrating was that I knew the calculus was still there. Each time that I would recheck the area, it did not matter what I tried to do, it just persisted. I even tried my dreaded universal with the same amount of luck, which was none. Mrs. Malfate came to check my two teeth, and yep, I only scaled two teeth, although I planned in my mind to complete the entire quadrant. I was kind to myself because I knew it was my first really challenging patient so far in my program. I told Mrs. Malfate about the area and that I could not seem to get the calculus off. To my surprise, she just got right under it and it seemed to come off with very little to no effort. She explained to me that her toe was in a different position and that my toe was not where it needed to be and that I also needed to pivot a little bit more on my fulcrum in order to get my terminal shank to be parallel before trying to put in the effort of the working stroke. Boy, does this sound familiar to you guys? I cannot wait to get back in there and try this the next time that I see this patient. The premolars are secretly my favorite anyway. It's going to be great. I hope you guys enjoyed this journal entry that I put together when I was a senior dental hygiene student and decided to share with you because the point of it is it takes all of us a great deal of time to really connect all the dots. And when I saw that faculty just sit down and easily remove that calculus, and I don't even know how long I had been working on it, it was like, okay, I'm doing something wrong. And it was that I didn't have the terminal shank in the right place. So therefore, I did not have that optimal 70 degree angle of the blade 
And so the calculus just wasn't going to come off. I hope this helps. I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.